Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Kevin Herter to get it in. Everyone standing at State Farm Arena. Herter looks. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds, one. Trey Slaughter. Rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal and Michigan, most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one can stop me. Lynch is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody ruthless. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from Nairclaw. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. You are now listening to the Hawks Beat Podcast with your host, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, what is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to another edition of the Hawks Beat Podcast. This is your man, E-Dub, talking a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks again. I know this is an off night, but uh, we're still potting. Had a conversation with my guy Josh Buckhalter of Soaring Down South. He is a site expert at the website, one of the premier Hawks websites. Uh, where the fans, uh, I mean, you have just some good content on the website. Among that good content is the Hawks Beat Podcast. Yes, you can catch our podcast there, uh, embedded into the site. Uh, Josh has tons of articles on the site. All Hawks related, so make sure you check out and support Soaring Down South. Uh, we just chopped it up for about 20 to 30 minutes. Had a conversation about Trey Young and the All-Star Game. Uh, John Collins on the trade block, trade rumors, and uh, just a whole bunch of other stuff dealing with the Hawks. So it's a great interview. Make sure you check it out. And um, yeah, also make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow us on all of our streaming social media platforms. And uh, let's get on with the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back. We have a special guest today, man. Uh, um, somebody that writes for Soaring Down South, you know, one of the, the premier Atlanta Hawks websites. Uh, I got none other than Josh Buckhalter. Did I pronounce your name right, man? Nailed it. Awesome, man. So, uh, like I said, Josh writes for. Uh, he, let me let him introduce himself, man. Josh, tell tell the folk what you got going on because you got a lot going on, man. Uh, man, uh, thank you for having me on. First and foremost, a uh, big fan of the pod. Uh, I write for Soaring Down Southside Expert and uh, just been covering the team. I've been following for a lot longer than I've been covering them and finally got the opportunity to uh, join the site last season or at the tail end of last season there and been covering them through that playoff run this offseason and, and up to this tumultuous season that we have going on right now. Yeah, man, it has been quite the season to say the least, man. You know, expectations were sky high coming out the gate. And they fall flat on their flat on their face. 
then COVID hits, man. It's been a ride. I feel like this season has been like three years. <laughs> yeah, I, I write a lot that it's felt like you can actually look at the, the the schedule and break it up into chapters and how they've gone throughout the year. They started off coming in with all those injuries that we didn't really know about. And so they got the, the choppy start. Then they had to the slide. Then they had the, the, the streak. Then they had to the slide. And now they have a streak again. And so hopefully this, this uh, positive chapter is an extended one. Yeah, man. And I tell you what, man, and, and as someone that produces content for the Hawks, man, it, things are much better when, when, when the Hawks are winning. Yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> sir. They were losing. Man, it was crazy, man. And I don't know. Have you ever jumped in any of those Atlanta Hawks spaces on Twitter, man? It's, it's a dangerous pl- uh, spot to be in. You got to watch yourself what you say because everybody swears you hate them when you're saying when you're just calling out what you see. Oh, man. And let's not talk about the the, the diatribe, the Cam Reddish uh, <laughs> civil war that was going on. Yeah, he Bro, still has his history when that was going on, man. That was crazy. <laughs> Cam, Cam was a fan favorite, and I get it. Um, maybe not to the extent that it happens. He's, it's still happening. That's what's crazy about it. You still see the, the, the reactions to what's going on with him in New York. Yeah, man, it, it's really crazy, man. Let's go ahead and start with the latest news, man. Word just dropped not too long ago that Trey is going to be a starter for the all-star team. And uh, right, rightly, um, rightly do, I believe, man. But just what are your thoughts on and Trey getting the all-star start and the nod after last year's snub? So Trey is actually the reason why I've been following the Hawks for a couple of years now, and that's because I just am a big fan of what he brings to the table. Um, I've been writing a lot that he's on pace for a historic season, like, and I'm not even trying to be funny here. This the numbers that he's averaging uh, was it like 27 nine or something like that four by four rebounds, and then he's he's having a career year efficiently efficiency wise, and it's it's one of one. There's nobody else who's done what he's doing this year, and so um, despite the losses, Trey's been shining. And I know people are gonna you know try to rag on him for the one side of the ball, but when you bring to the table what he does on offense and how how much of how much he can change the dynamic for your team. I think that you got to just build the rest of it around that and work with it because he's tremendous and really a joy to watch. It really is, man. And the crazy thing about it, man, the boy is 23 years old. Like, <laughs> like he hasn't even like really sniffed. You know, they say most guys like start sniffing their prime around 25, 27. Like he's at 23 years old doing work right now, man. And it's it's crazy to think that like he's going to get better. Yet the game hasn't slowed down for him yet, right? Like he might have he might have got himself acclimated to the speed, but you know there's a, a certain level of of savvy that comes along with playing longer, seeing things uh, several times over, and just knowing what's coming from the defense and what you're trying to do uh, offensively. And a lot of what Trey does has been just natural ability, and as he gets settled in even more than he already has, it's just the sky's the limit for him, honestly. Yeah, man, yeah. it's it's crazy. You know, salute to him. You know, salute the you know his family and everybody. You know, that, I know that's a big honor. Not everyone makes you know starts an all star team, man. Some folks go a whole career and never get that honor, and and uh, it's nothing to sneeze at. And I think it's well deserved. And you know, salute to him and his folks and everybody. And I know they're extremely happy. And uh, salute to him. Um, I wanted to ask you about some of these roster moves, man. I know you wrote a piece uh, about John Collins and the trade rumors. Um, been doing a little digging myself, and, and th- that's the name that's been coming up, man, which is rather crazy, man. But give me your thoughts on just John Collins and the idea that the trade rumors, the pros and cons, and that type of stuff, man. Because, um, 
you know, a couple just just a couple weeks ago, Travis Schlink was like, "Man, I don't know if I should have brought anybody back. We got to make some changes." <laughs> but it's crazy because now you're on a little win streak. So, like, what are, what are your thoughts, man? So the craziest part about that is I was a big proponent of them re-signing John in the offseason. Like I was out there like, no, you pay him what you got to pay him. That's the cost of doing business. Uh, but I also at that time said, if you got to replace him, you got to replace him. And now as we got into this season, some of those same names from then have prop- popped back up in the rumor mill. Um, I do find it interesting with you. John is the longest tenured Hawk. Um, seems to be kind of the heart and soul in terms of just the energy and the effort and the passion on that on, on the floor. Uh, but. I also, like we just talked about with Trey Young, when you have a special talent, that I think you try to maximize it. And so when I was going through that article that I just wrote, again, for people who are going to think that I hate John Collins and want to see him gone, I really, truly don't. I really do like what he brings to the table. I do wish that uh, he could find his own groove more offensively as opposed to waiting for the team to try to define it for him. I think that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there are some moves that they can make. And there's it, it's even from Ben Simmons on down to a guy like Jeremy Grant and beyond – they're, they have to look at it, and it hasn't slowed them down. In fact, there was a report that came out that they've even increased their efforts to try to move him uh, in the past, in the recent weeks. So it's 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 tough. It's a tough situation, like you said. They're winning, but apparently they are they have their eyes still on the bigger picture. Yeah, man i've I've been I've been kind of on the fence with that, right? Because I tell people all the time on my podcast, like I root for the Hawks to win every single game but I'm not tied to them emotionally like some fans are, right? You know, so that's why a lot of times I ask for the fans' opinions on how they feel about games so I can get that fan, you know, energy. Um, I can see pros and cons on both sides, whether you keep them or whether you move them, you know? Um, I think if you move them, man, you better get it right, (laughs) right? Like, you better get it right. It's a short list of guys that will be acceptable in return exactly like you better get it right you know they said you know they're only going to move them for a first rounder and a starter level uh, starter level you know player but like man you can't just move a guy like that he has been your most efficient guy and you know and i told at the beginning of the season i said look everybody's replaceable except number 11 so you right. know you're gonna hear everybody's name <laughs> except number 11 but with John, he you know he 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 he's the heart and soul of that team. He's the you know the unquestioned leader in that locker room. He's the rah rah guy. He brings so much. But you have to wonder: is there another level that you can that the Hawks need to go to to get past where they were? Right, like the the you know the the need for a quote unquote number two. You know, I told people this all the time. If I were to ask you who is this Hawks second guy? Like, who would you say? Like, I would probably get five different answers, you know? So there's pros and cons of that. Uh, I'm more likely leaning to the side of they should probably keep them because it's hard to get return on value and something like that. But if if something comes up, you know, you got to pull the trigger. And one thing we know about Travis, he's not afraid to pull the trigger. When when he came out in that radio interview and started talking like that, I said, "Oh my goodness, who is this person?" You know, Travis is <laughs> he's not a he's not a rah rah and kind of fight. He was he was letting it fly, talking about the effort and everybody got to go. And maybe I I was like, "Oh my!" And so that's when I knew it was real. And like you said, John's the unquestioned leader in that locker room. He's the only guy who I've heard call Trey out for anything. So yeah, when you, when you have that kind of you know rank, it's it's hard to replace just that, let alone the production on the on the floor. And again, you add in timing, you got to get uh, things synced up chemistry wise before the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. It's really, really complicated. And it is a short list of guys that can come back for him. But like you said, if that deal is out there and Travis feels like it's necessary, 
he's going to make the move. And to this point, can we say that he's made a bad move? I will say this. There is a certain point to where, because he with the with the Cam Reddish return, he said uh, not everybody's going to be in love with the player, but everybody wants a draft pick. At a certain point, that becomes less the case because those draft picks have to be of a certain value to, to bring back the player that you want in return. So I think we are getting to a point where they can't really divest anymore. They're going to have to consolidate some of these assets because you do need a second score. I've, I've written many times, the, the Hawks have not been a great team in the clutch. Um, when, when teams are able to focus in on Trey, that really bogs the offense down. And Bogey came back last night. We'll see what happens uh, going forward with his health and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, you need like a, you need another guy who's capable of scoring 20 points per game in the season, not just on a, on a stretch for the season, to really be a, a title contender in my eyes. Yeah, like if you really want to go after it, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the window was small. Like, I don't think people people haven't understand. Like, the window was small, right? You know, especially when you're you're playing for championships and things like that. They got they they sniffed a little bit of it last year, and they realized, look how how freaking hard it is. <laughs> you know, like you know, I think they walked into this year, you know, still carrying those capes. You know, like, oh yeah, we made it to ECF last year. I'm like, look, man, y'all can't say win no chip. Y'all coming out you, here, y'all want a chip. You heard Trey <laughs> talking about it's boring, and these guys are like, bro, you can't say that. You, of, of all the people on the team, I could not have you saying that out loud. <laughs> Keep that in the locker room, family. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would love to walk that one back, and I didn't even bang him that much for it. I was no, like, yeah, no, no, no. Have it's true. Like, if I had to give a press conference after every day at work, like, yeah. <laughs> you'd be tired to, like, look, dog, <laughs> I don't even want to be here right Listen, now. Listen, I would probably be fired. I'm just a lowly PE teacher by day, right? You know, so I'd be like, man, them kids are not BS today. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would be fired. So, yeah, I didn't bust them too much on that. But the, I think if they want to go to that next level, I think they do need a clear, unquestioned number two. And I think that was the flaw of the 60 win team back in the day when they had Millsap and Horford and all those guys and everybody was just sharing the rock. They played a beautiful brand of basketball when it came down to it. It's like, okay, who's going to take the shot? Mm -hmm. Who's going to take the shot. And when you in the playoffs, you need to know unequivocally who is going to take the shot. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now the Hawks don't really have that. Um, Yeah, go ahead. I would, say, I would say that's still Trey, but you need somebody else too. You have yeah. to have somebody yeah. else he, he can fall back on because, again, as dynamic as he is, he's still small in stature, and it it you need you need that safety valve. So, and the thing about it is, he's such a small guy, you know. And you just look through the annals of history; like, not many small guys have led their team the way Trey has done it. You know what I'm saying? And not saying that it can't be done, but. I mean, shoot, it's not easy, you know what I mean? So if you can give them some help, you know, somebody that can create, you know, and, and someone that can, you know, really take the pressure off of him a little bit, then I think that would be advantageous for him. But it's going to be interesting to see how Travis navigates it, especially with the fact that they're like, they got a little groove going now, right? Mm-hmm. So does he make a move to kind of mess up the groove, you know, think long-term or – you know, is it a money thing with DeAndre? I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious as to what Travis is going to do, man. To be honest with you, well, I, I've actually that was the big uh, debate when he said those things. Was that was this just a motivational tactic? Was this real? And then the Cam Reddish trade happens, like, oh, this was at least partially real. Um, yeah. I just saw a tweet earlier from Brad Rowland uh, talking about if you include Gallo's salary next season, they're they're way over the cap and like they need to make some moves. So 
Um, I think part of it could be financial. I know they want to retain DeAndre Hunter. The big debate between him and uh, Cam Reddish, that was a big debate between him and Cam Reddish when the trade went down. Um, so something's going to have to change. Like you said, the window is small, and they kind of jumped the shark a little bit getting into the Eastern Conference Finals last year. That speeds up your timeline. Whether you like it or not, that means you have to go for it uh, sooner rather than later. And as well as they're playing, I think – Travis still sees that when they play top teams and like you say in the playoffs, when things bog down, they still need something else that they can go to because whatever they're doing now, it seems to be a lot off of momentum and not necessarily out of process. And they need something that they can go to out of process. Absolutely. If you had to make a choice, if you're the GM and you got to make a choice and choice was between John Collins and DeAndre Hunter, who are you picking? That's tough, man. Uh, <laughs> I really do think that John Collins has the ability to be that second guy. I think both do. Let me say that. Um, but I think it's going to be harder to move DeAndre Hunter because of his injury history. Mm-hmm. But I also think that his defense kind of gives him an edge on what Collins brings. Collins right now is more of a talent than he is a skill. And that means just, again, I, I put some of that on him when he's asking for a more defined role, sees a role. You know what I mean? Go out there and 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 assert yourself in this way. He's been uh, uh, more aggressive on the boards in recent games. Um, we saw him take control, scoring, do those things on a consistent basis. And I think there will be, there will be no more trade talk. Yeah, if I had to pick right now. I'm probably going to take Hunter on the team because I can get more for Collins. Hunter's defense is probably more valuable to me long term, and I'm getting about the same offensive production. So, I I would. Man, I posed a question to you, and I really don't know what I would do. I, I think that I would kind of lean a little bit on Hunter just because I love his game. Like, I was a big Hunter guy coming out of college. I loved the move to get him at four. And I remember when they were, when, when they were brought in, you know, Hunter and Cam, like, I was the guy who was excited about Hunter. Mm-hmm. And everybody else was excited about Cam Reddish. <laughs> I remember and that draft. Yo, everybody was like, "Oh, we got the real pick later on." Yeah, yeah, they thought Cam was a steal. And I and I thought to myself, I'm like, "Yo, like this is the guy." Like you know, because you know, I do a little draft stuff, but I'm not a draft expert. But I fell in love with DeAndre Hunter. Was I was like, "Yo, man, this guy is a pro." Like he is like, there's nothing sexy about his game. He's Come always on. the right <laughs> basketball move. And like, I just, I mean, I, I think that if he can just get over that injury bug, like, I think that he can really become an all-star level wing, an all-star level two, two you know, two-way wing. And that's something that a lot of teams don't have, you know? Yeah. I, uh, the reason he's actually did for soaring, I actually talked about how much he impacts their defense. Um, and just by allowing everybody else to slot into the right place, but the work that he makes opposing guards do, to get around him, to get their shot off. Even if they get their points, they're expending so much more effort and energy that they can't defend Trey on the other side. They can't do what they normally do. He just makes everything work. And a lot of what uh, their struggles this season, I, I thought, were due to them just being so in and out of the lineup, shuffling 10-day guy, guys in, um, injuries, head coaches going into the, into the protocols. Like It was just constant chaos. And... Even before they got everybody healthy, they were starting to get healthier. And that's when you start seeing the, the energy levels pick up. They were taking more pride in that heat chant at the end of that uh, that loss a couple of nights ago or a few games ago, rather. That wouldn't have, I don't think they would have taken it the same way earlier in the season. They took that, internalized it, and, and, and utilized it to become more aggressive on both ends of the floor. And it's paying off. 
Yeah. And I will say this, and this is no slight to John Collins, because anyone that's ever listened to my pod, they know I'm a huge John Collins guy. You know, um, I think that when DeAndre Hunter is out of the lineup, you miss him a little bit more than when John Collins is out of the lineup. You know what I'm saying? That ain't no disrespect. That's just kind of how I see it. No, like, when right. Dre is out, it's like, oh, wow. But, like, when Dre is back, you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I, I don't get that same oomph when John goes in and John goes out. You know what I'm saying? The one thing I will say is that you don't also you also don't see the the same pep. Collins is the one who's dapping everybody up in every play. He's coming off the bench to high five guys. You don't yeah. see that as much. That's not saying they're not still effective, but I, you just don't see that energy. And again, that's the trade off, right? You you get yeah. process over the, the 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 I guess spark that Collins brings. And again, I love his energy, man. I wish he would just pick his role and just be an aggressive player in that regard. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the here and now, they're about on a I think it's five game win streak. From your eyes, and I'm sure you watched all the games as I watched the games, what have you noticed during this streak uh, that that we didn't see, like, from your eyes earlier on when they were struggling? Aside from the fact that we had guys nobody knew was <laughs> right <laughs> on the team. Aside from that, like, what are you seeing from this team during this little stretch right now? Um, like I said, intensity. They're, they were a step slow. In their reads on defense, they were careless with the ball, lazy with their passes, and you just see a much more focused, uh, crisper team when they're on the court. Um, I heard in your last uh, episode as you talked about how they were they were moving as a unit. They moved together, like Nate likes to say, connected. They were connected on defense. Yes. Um, and that's that's exactly it. And you can attribute that to, to Hunter. But like I said, I think it kind of preceded even his arrival, or or at the very least, he was still trying to get back in the groove on that end. Um just knowing that they had the troops coming back. Uh, maybe it was a little bit of the addition by subtraction with Cam Reddish. I don't want to put too much stock in that, though, because I, I don't think anybody there disliked Cam to the point where that would be affecting their, their play. Maybe his play, the, the gambling on defense, was affecting their defense, but they're just, they, they are a much more focused team now. And maybe that's because we're getting closer to the all-star break and, and trade deadline and yeah. you know, whatever the case may be. They are not the same team that was kind of, as you said, carrying that cape from last season into this year. Yeah, I mean, I I, I totally agree with you. You know, they, uh, yeah, and you know, I'm not gonna lay everything at Cam's feet. Um, I think that I think there's some of it though. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna lay the whole thing there, but I think everything that you mentioned, I think it all kind of came together as a kind of a perfect storm. Uh, I think when you have a guy who is, when Nate said this is the leader of the second unit, the beginning of the season. When he's the guy that, like, wants out, I think that's problematic. And, you know, we all saw Cam begin of the season. We're like, oh, he gunning, gunning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, and that was a big question. Like, what is Cam doing out there? <laughs> they was like, okay, they're going to have aggressiveness. He gunning, gunning. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, <laughs> we, we didn't know. Brother wanted to be up out of here. He was dreaming of Madison Square Garden during the playoffs last season. That is yeah. that was an incredible revelation to me. Like, wow. So maybe not necessarily thinking about being traded, but he definitely was he was elsewhere mentally during that. That's that's incredible. And honestly, I'm surprised the Hawks were able to, you know, that kind of thing can tear a team apart. And they're a young team. So they already had turmoil that season. It's really a testament to how well Nate kept them together throughout all of last year. Yeah, and, and to be honest, man, I don't know what it is that has made Lou and Gallo just wake up. You know what I'm saying? And it's like I don't know, but that second unit is playing a lot better. I think that 
Um, sometimes it just takes time, you know, and just, I just think the timing of, okay, we got a guy out of here that doesn't want to be here around the same time. You had Deandre coming back. You had a Congo really getting into his, you know, Stilo, all those things imply some other factors. I think it just became a perfect storm. And in the NBA, I think winning can be contagious, just like losing can be contagious. Yep. And right now they got that feeling. They don't want to let it go. And that's a good thing, you know? Yeah, and it's it was the same case for when they were going through their their downtrends. It, it was a confluence of, of factors, but they were happening at such a slow scale or such a small scale, other than the 10-day guys thing where they had the largest roster in NBA history. Um, it was all happening in part, so nobody really picked up on how many things were actually affecting them at any given moment. But it's been turmoil the entire season, and this was the first time – Last uh, the game against the Kings was the first time they'd been healthy is with no injuries since January 3rd. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> That's a long time. It's, a long, it's almost the entire month without having your starting roster together. Like that's or your starting lineup. That's insane. Yeah, and I don't think people give enough credence to the fact of continuity and guys playing together and developing that, like, you know, that you know, those, those their tendencies and things like that, you know. Especially when you're a team like the Hawks that relies on the the collective rather than the individual more uh, other than Trey, obviously. Yeah. Um yeah, so let me ask you this. Bogey came back last week, I mean, last night, had a great game with that second unit. Um, a lot of talk has been, you know, do you start Bogey, do you pull Herder Herder out of that lineup? And Nate's been kind of mum on it. I don't think anyone's really pressed him on it or whatever. But what are your thoughts about Bogey staying in that second unit and maybe just kind of riding the wave with that five that they've been trotting out there? So I've gone back and forth on this. Um, Herder's splits tell multiple stories depending on when you're looking at them. Uh, Bogey came out last night and said that he's fine doing whatever the, whatever's needed for the team to win. Uh, but there has been uh, something to be said for DeLon Wright and Kevin Herter on that second unit as a bigger backcourt to slow down opposing uh, you know reserve backcourts or coming in to, to give the starters a breather. You put Bogey back there, you lose some of that, you do – you also are, are moving Herder up a level in terms of who he has to guard now. So I think you keep it the way it is because when Bogey's rolling, he's he's a really, really dangerous scorer. And off the bench, Kevin Herter, it doesn't seem to matter to him, honestly. He can seem, he can get his whenever he needs to. So I, I would probably leave that alone unless they give me a reason to think that it should be any other way. Like if Ke- if Herter starts, you know, uh, uh, just going off, I don't know because I, I – I don't think that he's ever really had that consistently where you would say, okay, he needs to be the starter. You, you see flashes, but then you'll see this, the, the, the slumps as well. Whereas bogey bogey goes on the heater, man. And you might not think he'll ever miss again. Yeah, man. It, it, it <laughs> when that dude heats up <laughs> and I'm just t- f- talking about like, you know, I was talking with a buddy of mine in the game last night. I was talking about like, you know, one of the things the Hawks really didn't have, this year among other things was the bogey from last year (laughs) this dude had a career year last year and the way he shot the ball especially toward late in the season i was like man this dude don't never miss like he's never missing and you know you didn't have that this year but this year is a totally different year and i know i mean i know the money probably might be a factor at the end of the day but listen if, if this thing is working you ride that thing out as long as you can until Bogey starts producing at a level where you're just like, okay, I have to start him. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, make him ball out of control that much. And shoot, if he balling like that, keep him, keep him behind on that second unit because you need a playmaker in that second unit. Yeah. And sometimes Kevin can be a little too passive, you know, with that second unit. I think they need some aggression. And, and Bogey going to come out there like a bulldog and shoot. I just say run it while you have some continuity and while the guy's got a little something rolling right now. And you know what? I wouldn't even argue with that because you're right. When it's working, why, why fix what's not broke? Um, I, I am a big fan of what Bogey does. And to be honest, when he went down, I said, we're going to miss his scoring, but they're really going to miss his, like you said, his playmaking ability because he was, he just, he has, it's, it's right below point guard level vision, right? He knows where the ball should go. Even if it's the pass before the pass, like he had the one before that, that sick O'Connell dunk, uh, last night. It's, it's oh, yeah. that a lot of the other guys, Kevin has a little bit of, but he's still a younger player. Bogey has that experience to where he just makes the right play more often than not. And that's what I think they miss even more than his scoring ability, because when Trey didn't have the ball, that's when you started seeing the problems. And now with Bogey back there, it's still moving. You still have a threat who has it. It's it's I think, like you said, everybody coming back together. It's just it's working out perfectly. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, man. Um yeah, I'm I'm going to wrap things up just you know quietly uh, shortly. And uh, for folks that are that are listening, this is Josh Buckhalter with Soaring Down Sight, uh, Soaring Down South. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, Sight expert there has a ton of articles there. One of the premier uh, Atlanta Hawks websites. Uh, you can also find our pod that streams there. So in, in essence, I guess we're kind of coworkers, man. That's right. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. You know what I'm saying? Getting this content out here, man. Just a few more things before I let you get up out of here, man. Um, I know we talked about the roster, and I want to take a little bit, a, a quick look at the standings. And uh, I know beginning of the year, the, the 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 goals were lofty. I know they were for Hawks fans. Uh, they currently sit 12th. Uh, despite a five-game winning streak, they are like uh, a percentage point behind the Knicks. Uh, everybody knows seven, eight, nine, ten are those playing games. Um, we still haven't reached the All Star break, so there's still a lot of basketball left. Um, at the end of the day, do you see this Hawks team climbing into a playing playing game? Uh, and I'm a list of teams ahead of the Hawks right now: the Knicks, the Wizards, who just gave up a 35 point lead uh, the other night and have lost four in a row, the Raptors who are 23 and 23, the Celtics at number eight, and the Hornets at number seven. Uh, where do you kind of see the Hawks falling after uh, when, when the dust settles? So I definitely think they can they can overtake uh, those bottom four teams there, right? You can get over the Knicks. You can get over Washington. Washington is sliding. in and of, They're just doing it to themselves. Uh, the Knicks look like they're doing the same thing. Toronto and Boston are tough, but with uh, games against them in the next couple of days here, uh, you can make some – great headway in that regard it starts getting tough when you get to the charlotte and the philly and the milwaukee and that's where the hole that the hawks do themselves in kind of comes back to bite them um yes they could struggle to get above that seven mark but i will say if they are coming into the playoffs as a seven seed there aren't many teams that are going to want to face them as a seven seed so um and they've shown this year that they can actually be more effective on the road than at home at times so that won't be as daunting for them either so again i think they can overtake those bottom four teams they can get into the play in no problem um, probably get into the 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 eight nine eight spot, maybe even creep up to seven. But man, it's really tough getting anywhere above that. Yeah, that that is going. That is exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe like that eight or nine spot. Mm-hmm. You know, the Celtics, Raptors, Wizards, Knicks. Um, it's going to be hard to get up into that seven spot. You know what I mean? But 
if you can, you know, really have a uh, a good second half. And I don't know why we always see second half because after the All Star break, it's more than halfway over. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like you're down, you're going down the hill. But right. um, if you could start winning seven out of ten, eight out of ten, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. From here on out, um, I think you may be able to get to that eight spot. Maybe you host a playing game, right? You know, and, and again, you're 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 a team that that nobody wants to see get through the playing game. You know, uh, you dug yourself a nice little hole, but um, knock on wood, everybody stays healthy. I think they can get to eight or nine. I think that that's that's, that's feasible. That's yeah. feasible. And it's really just those two extended slumps that have done them in. It wasn't even the the entirety because overall, I mean, they're they're down, but like it just put them so far behind the eight ball, and then everything else started happening. It's like, oh my gosh, it was rough, man. It was some dark days for a few weeks there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, last point, I'm, and I'm gonna get you out of here, man. We we haven't seen or heard much from the rookies this year. Uh, Cooper and, and Jalen Johnson. A lot of people have been begging. Well, they they were begging for him earlier on the season. Not so much now when they're on a little win streak. Man, just quickly give me your thoughts on uh, you know the rooks who spent a lot of their time in College Park. I uh, just want to know your thoughts on those two guys. Uh, I would like to see him. Um, I think that a lot of rookies, first rounders, get a chance to play, even if it's just garbage time minutes. I will say that I, I can't fault the NBA coach for doing things the way he feels he should he should do them. And to uh, their credit, Jalen Johnson requested to go back down to College Park so he could play. Um, they've all commented on how he's handled it so well. Uh, Sharif Cooper, the same situation. So I would love to see them get up there and get some time. But I understand on the team with title aspirations and, and playoff hopes and, and whatnot that they kind of no have to wait. Break you in, bro. Ain't no time to break you in. Right. That's right. You got to get it. You got to get in later because we got things to do right now. We got goals to accomplish. Yeah, I feel, I feel you. And, and I feel that same way. Um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, and folks don't understand. Nate is old school, bro. Yeah, man. You yeah. been around this thing for a long time, a long time. And old school coaches. They don't give a damn about no rookie and no rookie minutes. And Nate was a Nate was an on you type of player. When you made mistakes, he let you know about it and correct it. So if you're not doing things the way he wants them, guess what? No yeah, players. he's not worried. And and the t- today's player is is I'll just say they're different from yes. back in the day. <laughs> without going on a diatribe. They're different from back in the day. But I, I like both of their skill sets, and I think I think the G League is an amazing opportunity for players that weren't available like back in the day you know what i'm saying i think a lot of players who came up in the 90s and i think they're, they could have had longer careers if they would have had a type of a way to hone their skills like the g league gives these guys i think that's awesome so, so they didn't just get taught tossed by the wayside if they didn't immediately fit i agree, I agree. yeah but uh, I tell you what, if they move, if they move John Collins, you're gonna be seeing a whole lot of Jalen Johnson. I'm a, and I would be okay with that. I'm not gonna lie. To you. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see, man. But hey, man, I really appreciate it, man. We gotta do this again, man, and chop yes. it up. Uh, let the folks know again where they can find you on your Twitter and Soaring Down South and everything that you got going on. Yeah, man. Uh, again, Soaring Down South every day, and uh, follow me on Twitter at Josh G Buck. I try to uh, try to keep it light and funky. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, my guy, and uh, we'll have to do this again, man, and I'll be in touch with you, man. Always, man. Stay blessed. Peace.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.